Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Make it from Florida. 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 Jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. He might lose some weight if he went out for a walk. Do, 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 do you think? Dance cares. He doesn't care. He's not into ranch. Backstage. Do, 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 Jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff of test anyhow. Do 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 Jeff it Shit, what is it? Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. Might lose some weight if he went out for a walk. Do 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 you think? Dancer cares. He doesn't care. He's not into ranch. Backstage. What's up, droid? Welcome to my show tonight. We're gonna sing for you tonight. Oh boy, oh boy, how is everybody's day going? I went up upstate to Rhinebeck, New York, and it was it was excellent. We did a little kayaking. I haven't been kayaking since, I don't even know, but it's been a long time. So that was a lot of fun. And now we're back here. This is the third show for the week. Fourth show for the week or third show for the week? I'm not sure. Um, I'm really excited because on Friday, uh, I have a, a, a scripted video. What is a scripted video? It's a, it's a video where I actually kind of wrote a script for it. Like I, I'm reading an essay. I'm not just talking off the dome like I do all the time. Um, so it's a lot more measured. It's only 13 minutes long. It's very short. It's nice. You know, when you have a script, you just, it's, you're, you're, you're succinct and to the point. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You don't 
pontificate the way I pontificate consistently here on the channel. Um, so check that out, especially if you like the Beatles. We just did a Beatles show very recently. We did Glenn Matlock last night. We talked about Glenn, whether Glenn Matlock was a lucky bugger or an unlucky bugger. And tonight we have another episode of Fiend Mail. That's right. So what happens is people write to me. I don't know why they write to me. I'm, I'm just a guy, dude. I'm <laughs> just a guy that talks about this shit. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Dagger Love? We got Dagger Love in the house. As much as Dagger Love thinks that I just I ignore all I, I ignore everything. I don't ignore everything. It just piles up. It piles up. There are inboxes with cobwebs on them. And then I go and I check them. You know, and the anxiety, the heaps of anxiety of checking these messages and wanting to respond to them all. I'm thinking, you know, I'll just talk about it on the show. I'll screenshot them and I'll I'll put a break, pull them up on the show. You know, freaking famous. What is famous these days? You, anybody with a YouTube channel could be famous, I guess. That's that's what it really comes down to. Jody has a little bit of sinus drainage, but he's eating a lot of hot peppers. Might need some warm French onion soup. You and you and others. <laughs> you and others. Uh, so we're gonna. So here's the drill. We're gonna go through. We're going to go through all of our um, uh, messages, people people write stuff. So I've screenshotted a couple, and we'll just we'll, we'll just go through them and, you know, freaking um, just get through get through everything, and maybe we'll we'll open up the forum for for talking and whatnot. Welcome, hello, Amy. How are you? Hey, you got to lay off those peppers, Jody. Lay off the peppers. The peps, as they call them, the peps. All right, let's take a look at some of these messages, shall we? This is going to be a little difficult with my 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 system. Oh, tomorrow night, another episode of Sinful Celluloid with my uh, co-host, uh, Christopher Jimenez. Check that out. We're going to be talking sequels. If you're a fan of horror sequels, we will be talking about them because that's what we do. All right, this is going to be weird. I had to, like, screenshot these through... All right, we'll just go down the, the the list here. I don't, I don't. There's no rhyme or reason to this. Okay, what's up, Tony? Tony Baloney, how you doing? Here we go. All right, here's our first screenshot for the evening, and our our system is is, is log jammed. I think. Nope, there it is. Okay, this is from a gentleman named Donald Todd Riley Jr. He says. Hey, Jeff, I just listened to a whole five hours of the Jerry interview from 93, the the Jerry interview from 93 episode, and I had a couple of thoughts I wanted to share with you. First off, Jerry claims that Glenn was sleeping during the recording of Earth AD, and they played the music just like he wanted it, fast. But Jerry also claimed on the earlier Misfits recordings that him and Doyle deserved songwriting credit because they contributed to the writing of the Misfits music. Well... It can't be both, Jerry. They either played the music just like Glenn wanted, or they actually helped write the songs. And Jerry claims that he and his family paid for the expenses on the road, and that he ended up broke, and owing money to his dad at the end of the tour, like three grand at the end of the last one, if I remember right. But that he and Doyle were also smashing multiple guitars a night. So a lot of the expenses on the road really had nothing to do with Glenn. 
if they hadn't been smashed, if they hadn't been smashing all those guitars, they could have had, they could have saved a bunch of cash. This is true. Uh, thanks for listening to my rambling. Big fan of the show. Thanks, buddy. Donald, thank you for writing us tonight. Appreciate you, buddy. And to answer a couple of your questions. So, it's not just reading stuff. Hey, hey, Rumorg, how are you doing? Hi, Amy. Hi, Rumorg. We'll stop along the way and, and, and tag comments as they come. All right, so to address what Donald is saying here, this is, guys, you got to go back and listen. We did five hours of commentary on the Jerry interview, the ginormous Jerry interview. Uh, such a, a wealth of information, this Jerry interview. Why is it so special, everybody? By the way, how am I sounding? Am I too hot on the mic? Am I doing okay? Just let me know what the, the mic sounds like. It's not my not my favorite mic. Very tinny, but this is this is what the, the old buckaroos could afford. So uh, I had to make do with what I make do. We work with what we have, right? Um, so he gave to Ugly Things number 12. We talked about this. I, I feel that should put that on a shirt. We talked about this la- on the last episode. That should go on a shirt. We talked about this on previous episodes. This is a, a tomb, this thing. It's like 27 pages of Jerry just talking very frankly about stuff without any kind of agenda, without without trying to rewrite history. Oh, I'm so glad it sounds good to you guys. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, that's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> Glenn's sleeping while the recording explains why Earth AD sounds like crap. Well, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that. This, this is not, you know, Donald has simplified... Uh, he sort of simplified a lot of things. I, I get it. Like, you know, and he's just going off the top of his dome the way I go off the top of my dome. He's saying um, that Glenn was sp- sleeping during the recording of Earth AD and they played the music like he wanted it fast. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, th- these things are not exclusive. You know, even if he cl- he's also then takes Jerry to task for claiming uh, misfit... Uh, writing credits on, on earlier recordings, the two are not mutually exclusive. You could still play something the way Glenn wanted it, even if you helped write a song. Just because Glenn wanted it a certain way doesn't take away from the fact that if Jerry and Doyle did write music, it doesn't take away from the fact that they wrote music. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think... I don't think it really matters. It's not. It's a non-factor, whether he was sleeping or not. As to whether they wrote music or not, here's what I honestly believe. I I honestly think that, um, not, maybe not so much Doyle, but definitely Jerry, had a hand in the songwriting process. I don't think that. I mean, is Glenn the the sole writer of these songs? Yes, I mean, for you know, does he did he come up with the lyrics and the melody? Yes, he's the author of these works. Did Jerry, you know, think up like a like a an intro or you know help with a few things on a bridge? I, I mean, I think it would be impossible to deny that Jerry didn't contribute something. Does that equate songwriting credit? You know, I've often said on this show, not this show, but on my channel, that George Harrison you know, undeservedly was uncredited on a lot of Lennon and McCartney compositions. He added significant things to to these songs, things that gave them their identities. 
you know, from 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 all that I've been told about Jerry and his songwriting prowess, of which there's not, you know, a ton of stuff, um, that that's what Jerry was best at. Jerry was best at sort of like, you know, coming up with intros or you know, putting a little thing here, a little a little button, a little whistle. Does that equal songwriting credit? I don't think so. Would it have been nice to share songwriting credit or at least share publishing with Jerry? I mean, yeah, that might have been the nice thing to do. You know, no, no matter what anybody thinks about anything, you know, is that the right thing to do? Yeah, probably, I would say so. Does it take away from the fact that Glenn is the sole author of these songs? No, the dude wrote the songs. You would never, even with Lennon and McCartney compositions... Look at Lennon and I don't I can't believe I'm comparing Lennon and McCartney to Glenn and Jerry, but it 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 applies in the sense that you would never even if a, a song is credited to Lennon and McCartney because of their songwriting partnership, you're never going to think that I am I am the Walrus is a Paul McCartney song. You are never going to think that Hey Jude is a John Lennon song. You're not even going to think that they share these songs. There are songs that they share in the earlier you know, partnership of the Beatles, but they're still, they still own these songs. These are still their songs. So even though Jerry might have contributed this here or that there, it's still Glenn Danzig's song. Jerry didn't bring anything to the song except, you know, arranging things in a musician-like way. Does that equate to a percentage of songwriting? Probably. What percentage? I don't know. 10%? 5%? Who knows? Does that qualify as being a co-writer of a song? I don't think so. You know, I've heard it told to me personally that Glenn would come down with, you know, the chorus and the lyrics and the melody and they would he would bring it to the guys and they would kind of flush it out. You know, Glenn would tell him what he wanted, and then they would flush it out and sort of make it work. I don't know if that, you know, playing with your own feel on a track does not necessarily equate, you know, being an author of a track. Adding your flavor is just adding your flavor. Am I wrong? Musicians, musicians out there, am I wrong or am I right? What do you what say you? B Mac here says by the time they recorded their final tracks, the writing and arrangement was done and closed. Uh, Tony says Jerry and Doyle should just get fat paid on the image alone but I always say that to people yeah dude I think they should get paid too Um, I just think that Amy says that Doyle is quiet and just goes to the flow yeah he sure does Um, I I just think that I, I think it would be like wrong to say that Jerry didn't have a hand in some way shape or form but I also think it's wrong to not, and this is not me trying to, like, you know, um, be Switzerland here to, to remain neutral. I, that's just how I see it. Like, I think it's undeniable that Jerry contributed something, you know, some things. He, he contributed, uh, you know, a lyric here. Uh, bedtime for the Midnight Masses, I believe, uh, in um, Devil's Warehouse, I think. Bedtime for the Midnight Masses, I think. It's something like that. Does that mean... If you listen to the Mike Hideous episode, he talks about that. He talks about how, you know, or maybe it was off camera when I was talking to Mike Hideous about this, where he was like, when he, they were like, he was trying to like, when he wait, when he was when they were in the locked in the court battles, trying to to fight for the publishing, and Jerry 
wanted to take credit for writing like whoa 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 something like that does that equate songwriting credit i don't know jerry has since that since the settlement jerry has surely let go of songwriting credits you don't really hear him weigh in and or comment on that stuff in any way shape or form in interviews so you know on on some level jerry's just kind of you know washed his hands of it so i don't know man i don't know i don't think i don't think jerry can in that way i don't think jerry could claim credit if anything if you want to give jerry a percentage of like what he's responsible for and I again, that's a song by song basis, but I'd imagine that you know he. Uh, here's the thing about Jerry, as the instrumentalist, Glenn's not an instrumentalist, right? Glenn knows how to, and and believe me, I just rewatched my Manny interview. Glenn would feel things out on a keyboard and then be like, okay, play this. You know, in the early early days, he'd be playing on the keyboard and banging out chords, and then he would go, and then Frank would be, you know, trying to do the chords that he's banging out on the piano. He's not even showing him on guitar, per se. You know what I mean? Like, he's clearly the the the, the song, the impetus for the songwriting, but Jerry is kind of like the band leader. What is a band leader? It's like the guy that leads the, instrument, the instruments, right? You know, sometimes Glenn's not even at practice, and it's just Jerry running through songs with Bobby and Joey, or running through songs with Doyle and Arthur, Googie, you know what I mean? So Jerry is kind of like it has his own sort of role in the band. And you have to imagine that arrangement falls in line. And that's what I mean. That on some level, Jerry is doing some kind of arrangement. Like, you know, maybe Glenn has oversaw the whole song. And there's just like, oh, there's like this. How do we end the song? We need a little dun da dun da 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 You know, something like that. And again, I am not going to sit here and claim that I know particulars because I don't I really really don't but I just from from the things that I read from the I'm trying to be scholarly about this and like learn some stuff and from the people I've spoken to it seems that the way and from speaking to guys like Manny frankly you know um, or listening to interviews with John Christ it seems like Glenn had a vision Glenn wrote the song but Glenn had help okay it's bottom line because, you know, there, there's not, especially depending on the, the time, the timeline, you know, you look at Glenn in later eras of Danzig and he's playing drums. He's playing drums. He's playing all the bass, you know, yada, yada, yada. But you look at that early, early, early stuff and he hasn't figured out how to do all that yet. The, Who Killed Marilyn is the first time that Glenn is like really trying to like do all the instruments by himself, you know. So I think that there is something to be said about that you know it's like it's just not but the point is this this again not being measured in my response and being pontificating and taking a really long time to say something basically it works like this it's not so cut and dry it's not so it's very nuanced and very gray and i think that's why i think that's why jerry fought the way that he did for songwriting credit because he felt it was owed to him you know what I mean? Let's see what let's see what some of the comments here say. Uh, Jerry's flavor was definitely in there, but same for any session player in any recording. Okay. Uh, Droid Little says, "The band I am in, the songs are all written by one guy. I have helped arrange some of the riffs, etc., 
and I come up with the majority of my drums, but I would not take credit as a songwriter. So there you go. Dagger Love says, Glenn was the artsy one and Jerry was the football player turned bass player. Glenn was the writer. I mean, yeah. Um, Chris, oh, Chris Morantz. Here's a guy that really could speak to, to it more than any of us. Oh, no, he just says, hey, Jeff. <laughs> hey, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to give me some whole explanation here. We have to have Chris on the show sometime. Definitely we will do that. Chris Chris is a guy who, who who's who's been around the block, right? Um, let me see here. Uh, Jerry had enough here to get the rights. Sorry. BMAC says... I've written and co-written songs. Arranging is crucial, but riffs and words get credits. Ultimately, again, ultimately, what what ends up becoming legally, this is legal shit, this is something I do know, what ultimately becomes the identity of a song for publishing purposes are lyrics, that's the written compositional component, and melody, that's the musical composition component. And again... To go back to the last episode, we just talked about this, but it's it's come up again, so I'm going to just go on a super quick tangent. People, stay with me here on this. We're going to move on to our next comment in a minute. Um, the friggin' police. Andy Summer is the ba- is the guitar player. Sting is the singer songwriter uh, is the songwriter for uh, what's that song? I'll be watching you. Every breath you take, right? Nights uh, ninety seven. Puff Daddy samples every breath you take for his uh, song, his love letter to Notorious B.I.G., you know, that that rap song that was the biggest thing in 1997, everybody remembers who was around in 1997, right? And um, the only thing that's sampled from the song is Andy Summers' guitar riff that he wrote himself. Andy Summer wrote the riff. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying this is the law. This is like what, this is what people go by. Sting owns the publishing of that song even though he didn't come up with that riff. The riff was written by Andy. Sting wrote the melody and the lyrics. But because it's Sting's song and Sting holds the publishing, an agreement that that they had worked out in the police when they had written that song, the person who got the royalties from that Puff Daddy song for the sample, even though they didn't write or come up with anything, was Sting and not Andy Summer. So, again, there's so, so even if Jerry is doing a little bit of arranging or, you know, throwing in an intro here or thinking of a good transition. He's 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 the band leader. He's helping Glenn. He has this integral role at this time before Glenn really comes into his own, especially in Sam Hain, where he is help he's basically like the band leader. I mean, there were times when they were doing songs. There is here's a great story for you that is in my my archives. Bobby Steele, Joey Image, and Jerry are rehearsing songs. They play, this is 1979, they do When the Evening Comes. When the Evening Comes was supposed to be a Misfit song, or not, wasn't wasn't supposed to be a Misfit song. It was, it was submitted as a Misfit song. Bobby wrote this track, showed it to uh, Jerry and Joey. They got really tight with it during rehearsal. Um... Bobby shows it to Glenn. Says, "Glenn, can, let's let's make let's make this a misfit song." Glenn shoots it down. He goes, "I write the songs. I write the lyrics. It's my band." Boom. Uh, to which uh, Bobby understood. Bobby understood, and it's my favorite song of Bobby's that he's ever done. 
I think of it as like um, I think of it as an almost miss it song when the evening comes, and the fact that that they would rehearse it without Danzig, you know, um, just goes to show that they, you know, they're doing stuff when he's not around as a band to get tight, to rehearse, to practice up. So that's interesting too. Um, Let's look at some of these these comments here. I think Andy didn't make sure he had a credit when they published. That might have been it, BMAC. You're right. You're right. That might have been what happened. It's very possible. Um, Francisco says, Glenn was the main drive and was one step ahead of both Jerry and Doyle. I don't know about one step ahead. It might have even been a few steps ahead. Hence their father pushing them into the lawsuit. It was the father who was like, what are you, crazy? Jerry, Jerry Sr. was like, you gotta, you gotta do something about this. I agree, Droid Little. Droid Little says, Andy Summer deserves some royalties. That riff is iconic. Couldn't agree more. Uh, it's a shame that he doesn't have, uh, that he doesn't get any money. Even if Sting wants to control the publishing and everything, like, come on, throw the guy a few bucks. You didn't even write it. You didn't write the riff. He wrote the riff, you know? That kind of sucks. Um, I've heard Glenn says he comes in with the song and teaches to everybody. I mean, yeah, to to an extent. But I can't imagine that was the case for every single song. I mean, neither can I. And again, we're not talking from a place of authority here. We're not... I'm not. We're not sitting here going, yeah. That like th- we don't know the exact songs. We don't know the exact anything. This is just from what we've come to understand from a historical perspective as we sort of meticulate. That's not a right word for that. Meticulate as we pontificate, as we whatever, as we go over this stuff. Um. All right. So so I think that I think we've answered that one. Right. Let's move on to another one. That was that was a good one. Thank you, Donald. Oh, and then as for, like, the touring stuff, too, you know, like, yeah, like, they're definitely smashing. I mean, that's, like, something that's like a, a, something that should be discussed in the band. Hey, don't smash that shit because, you know, it's costing us money or, you know, vice versa. I would say that Glenn's responsibility is to, you know, get to on the same page with them to get to a place where it's like, yo, we're not smashing this stuff because we end up losing more money than we're making. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, come say, come saw, right? All right, let's look at another one of our little letters here. Here is our next letter. And this... Here we go. Show on stream. Come on. There we are. Okay, this is from Alan Tenenbaum in one of the many inboxes. So if you do write me, by the way, if you're just joining us, please make sure to like, share, and especially subscribe to this channel, please. It really helps us out, especially if you like like it, too. Leave a like, leave a comment, yada, yada, yada. Uh, this is from Alan Tenenbaum, and he, write, he wrote this on the Facebook inbox. I haven't checked this thing in months, in months and months and months. This one's from over the summer. Um, he says, hey there, I see you got a video coming up that covers uh, the Misfits tour with the Damned in England in 1979. Uh, this is really interesting. This is a really interesting thing that he that he says. 
Are you aware? Are you aware uh, of the near mint horror business seven inches with haunted house and checkered fiend club inserts that have been making the rounds over the last few years here in London? Apparently, the band crossed the pond with a box of seven inches to sell that ended up being stashed away in a storage locker for decades. Apparently, they're not bootlegs and been sold on Discogs and eBay for serious pounds. I wrote, incredible. Yes, Joey talks about this, but I didn't know about that. What are some of the prices? So here's what's interesting. Um, the, The misfits go over to, well, let me finish what he's saying. He says, a few years ago, I managed to get mine for 400 pounds, which is a really good price by today's, you know, in today's bubble market. That's a really good price. He says, mate's rate for the record store dealer who had several copies. I know he has a few left, but he's holding off from selling them, which is a smart move because the prices are going to be through the roof now. The record dealer I bought it from only sells in person from his shop behind the counter He doesn't advertise them and doesn't sell online. I've seen these horror business 7 inches actually being resold on Discogs for anywhere from 800 pounds to 1,000 pounds. Holy tamole. Hey, Carlos is in the chat. Yes, Carlos, I get tons. Carlos, I get tons of letters. People write me. So we do fiend mail because every once in a while I get a bunch of letters. The letters pop up. And then we do a show, a filler show, where we just go over the interesting things. People have a lot of interesting stuff to say sometimes. So, you know, we, we just we go over it. It's fun. Why not? Um, who wants to collaborate with us on a song, a woe song? <laughs> well, this is a this is a, a long one from oh, this is from this is from Chris. Chris, I'll take a look at this in a minute. Oh, fine. Let's just do it now, because in Morning Noise, Mike wrote the songs, showed them to us on acoustic guitar, and then the rest of the band turned the songs into Morning Noise songs. We tweaked the songs to how we wanted them. But when you come down to it, Mike still wrote lyrics and chords to the songs. Steve, that's Steve Zing. Tommy, oh, Tommy, I can't pronounce your last name off the top of my head. Don't get angry. Tommy K. Tommy K, John, and I came up with the leads, bass lines, and drum parts. So, I mean, there you go. Like, so that's interesting because you're coming up with with actual parts for the songs that are not being written, but yet even you say that Mike still wrote, you know, the identity of the song, even though you guys are all contributing. That comes down to a band's democracy. In a band like the Misfits, where Glenn is the, you know, uh, Glenn is the HBIC, right? You know, he's like, you know, he's the be-all, end-all of that band, the leader of that band. He writes all the songs and a story, My Way or the Highway. Other bands, look at the Ramones. The Ramones each kind of come up with their own parts. You know, maybe Joey or Tommy or Dee Dee is writing a song. We all know that Johnny didn't write songs at all. Um, and the four of them are splitting song publishing, or in the case of Morning Noise or whatever, someone's coming down with the thing, someone's coming down with a song, and, you know, everybody contributes to the song, and then, I don't know, how does that work? So do you guys share, uh, Chris, do you guys share the songwriting credit? Like, how does it work in your band? I don't know. Carlos is sad. Loki is sad that no one writes him. You know, Loki, 
Maybe you need to get back out there and start talking brash again. Come on, man. Come on the show. Come on, Pizza Punk. We miss you. Where have you been? You got to get back out there, man. You got to get out there and just do it. And then people will write you. And it will be fun. Rue says it's a great example. Um, BMAC says, yeah, man, it's a case-by-case basis, ultimately. Hold on. Uh, Crap. Here we go. I think it is also a case-by-case as agreed by the bands. It's exactly right. I hear the Foo Fighters split credit four to five ways evenly, even though Dave writes the songs. I think, ultimately, you're going to have less problems in your band if that's the way it is. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to have any mutiny anyone going to the Elvis shows man I would love to Uh, speaking of Elvis you know what happened with Elvis Elvis didn't write his own music this is what Elvis would do Elvis would go to songwriters or songwriters would come to Elvis and offer up their compositions and Elvis would say because Elvis had this kind of pull he had that kind of you know selling power he would say oh you know uh, I'll do your song if you uh, let me get half the publishing. So he was going to do, he's going to do, um, he's going to cover your song in exchange for half of the publishing, which means he's going to own half the song. It's a great business proposition. If you're an up-and-coming, hungry songwriter, you're going to get the, not only are you going to get the exposure, but you're going to make probably more money off of half the publishing than you would on 100% of the publishing uh, without Elvis backing you. So it's it's a good trade in, in that kind of way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think, I think it, it just, it's very subjective and it would definitely help to sort of, you know, uh, be more democratic if you don't want, if you don't want problems in, in, the, in the long run. Francisco, Jeff, would a trip to Lodi be worth coming all the way from Texas? I hear you visit often. I mean, listen, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it to come all the way from Texas just to go to Lodi. But if you have any reason to be up in the tri-state area in New York, New Jersey, you'd be crazy not to stop by and check it out. Speaking of which, for those of you who are unaware, I've been posting this every week. Um, we're, do- we're doing. We're putting on a show in Lodi. There's a show happening in Lodi. It's it's pre- being presented by They Came From Lodi. It's not my... It, it was not my idea. It was the brainchild of John from Voice of Doom and Robbie Bloodshed. Uh, they're putting they're putting on the show with uh, Tony Secret, a.k.a. Uh, Tony Secret Subway, Tony Matura. Uh, and they all kind of met uh, in, through this, this Lodi community that we have. They're putting on a show at the Lodi VFW, which is the, a place that Glenn's mother spent a lot of time at the Lodi VFW, apparently. You know, she was very involved um, and whatnot, being a, a, a pillar of the community and, as, and such. Uh, so it's going to be, the show is going to be happening there. It's like a, like, a, like a grand old pug show. And the flyer for that, I don't have, it's on the Lodi page. Go check it out. Um, it's happening Saturday, November 6th. And you never know what kind of surprises might turn up. Who knows? I will be there hosting and presenting, I guess, is what I'll be doing. So, yeah, I think it will be a good time. Right, November... Oh! Rue! 
November from his fire. What? I love it. November from his fire. Sour cream. Oh, my God. I love that. I freaking love that. That is hilarious. Um, Tanner says, I sent you a nice pic of those UK stash HBs for reference. Thank you, Tanner. I will check it out. Hope you're well. I think, Tanner, are you coming to the show, buddy? I hope you're going to be at the show. I think I, I, think I distinctly re, uh, saw you make a comment or something. Hope you show up as well. It's a November from his fire! <laughs> oh, man, that is so good. That is just like, that's fire right there. That is fire. I got to put that on a friggin' t-shirt. <laughs> November from his fire! I'll be the only one wearing that t-shirt, but it would be hilarious. November from his fire, November 6th. I love it. I love it. Um, where did you, Tanner, where did you send that picture so I know where to find it? Um, <sighs> November from his fire. Sour cream. <laughs> Spinal Remains is an underrated Misfit song. I had to say it. So, yeah. All right. So, hold on. So, back to this. We got super, super sidetracked by this whole situation. Wait, wait, wait. Because I have the worst ADD on the history Yes, sir. See you there. Okay, Tanner's going to be there, too. Great. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. Oh, boy, we're going to have so much fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, I know Francisco says, also, I know you're a movie nerd. Need you to check out Tulane Blacktop starring James Taylor and Dennis Wilson. I most certainly will. I am a movie nerd. This is true. Um, all right, let's get back to this, though. So, so I said here, yeah, Joey talks about this. I believe he might have, you know, he, he mentioned this. He mentions this with great resentment when he does interviews. He talks about, like, the fact that that they're going over to England. They're supposed to do this tour with the Damned, and Jerry and Glenn have brought over a bunch of merchandise. He doesn't say what the merchandise was. So when I saw this comment from Alan about this box of Orbis and Seven Inches, it, it lines up. It makes sense. Yes, of course they brought over that box. And, like, you could totally imagine them, you know, they're in this, like, this garden apartment with this manager who's actually a junkie named Derek who's trying to connect them with the, uh, get them on the Clash tour and whatnot. Um, he says, Tanner says, in tandem with this, what we're talking about, he sent it to the Lodi Facebook page. The stash is rather interesting once you dig into the lore with it. Um, cool. Very, very cool. Is, all right, let me, I can't really, my system is sort of fucked right now. Let me see if I can get over there and take a screenshot of that as I'm talking. Um, so to hear that there's like a box, wait, Tanner, am I, can I, is this something that, that, that I can post publicly or is this something just private? Let me know before I post it. Um, so the idea that there's like, just like a, a leftover box is really really cool. Like it 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 lines up with what Joey is saying. Like Joey's just saying merchandise. Well, what is merchandise? You know, seven inches, and it makes sense. I mean, like look at what they're doing. They're trying to flood another market with their product. You know, um, okay. Tanner says it's cool. I'm gonna go over there see if I can find it. Be at the tippy top as we just sort of. Went. So let's let's move on to the next one. So that was really cool. That that was a really cool. This is the type of stuff that people send me. They send me these little tidbits, and you know, instead of like, they're fun to share. Instead of just you know, 
sort of responding. I'd rather just go over them live with you guys. Give me a, a second while I pull this up. Screenshot this sucker. Okay, on, on to the next one. All right, this is fun. Look at this. So this next one is from a guy named Jeremy B. Julian. And Jeremy Wright wrote to me. He wrote, let's see what he says here. This is just a fun little, a fun little something. It's, oh crap, why does that always happen? Uh, so this is from Jeremy. Uh, other favorite Chef John Herc's metal meals include the Danzig Juicy Lucifuge, the mother of all burgers. Ingredients, New Jersey Black Angus Beef, Blue Cheese, Blue Cheese Lucifuge, the Onions of Christ, and the Blackest of the Black Barbecue Sauce, served on a House of Made Twist of Pain bun. That Twist of Pain bun, that's black. And uh, he said, found this, uh, found this that you might like to post. It's a Danzig burger from J Chef John Herks. Really cool. Thank you for sharing What's going on? Trav Javis Bickle is in the house. Haven't seen him in a while. Hold on one second. Let me see. Um, what's his face? Sent me something. One of my many inboxes. I'm saying, me and my inboxes. <laughs> uh, Alright, let's move on to the next one while that loads. I mean, this is so stupid. I can't just share my my whole screen. It's making me do one by one by one. Uh, okay, this is a fun one. I love stuff like this because it just shows up out of nowhere. This is really interesting. Hold on. Let's see if we find this from Tanner. Here we go. Coming from Tanner. Shit. Here it is. Okay. Look at this little photo. This little humdinger right here. So here's the lot. And I guess this is like, I mean, this is good stuff right now, right? Like, this is this is the Mamma Jam. I want, uh, if Tanner is still in the chat, Tanner, what is the market price for the horror businesses right now in this inflated market? If you could, if you could tell me. I'm very curious to know what they're currently going for. Um, let's see here. This is what Tanner just sent to me. It's going to show me. It's so tiny. It's so tiny and puny. So look at these. Look at all those horror businesses. This is in This is in the year 2020, 2021 that there're that many horror businesses, you know, unaccounted for or accounted for however which way you look at it. That is that is pretty neat if you ask me. That's a that's that's pretty neat right there. So there's that. Let's move on to our next one. Uh, this is from Tyler Haddon. Okay, this guy Tyler Haddon is sharing something with us. Come on. Come on, come on. All right, this is from Tyler. All right, here we go. Before we look at that, let's see what... Let's see what the deal is with these horror businesses. So 
Tanner says, because of the UK stash flooding the market a few years back, they actually stayed pretty reasonable. I'd say about a thousand with the added insert from the UK find. And Tanner, last question about this before we move on. How many are in this UK find? How many came up in this box? I'm curious to know. Uh, Okay, this is from Tyler Hatton, and he wrote to me on April 9th, 2021. I'm sorry for the incredibly late response. It's It's just who I am. It's just in my nature. I'm sorry. He says, Tyler says, crazy weird thing I came across about a year or so ago. See, this is why I like it when people write me, because they write me the weirdest shit. Like, this is so weird. Full moon features, for anybody who knows or does not know what full moon is, full moon features made a post about the Empire Pictures film Necropolis from 1987 and said it featured Glenn Danzig. He's nowhere in the credits, but there is a guy in the film that gets killed that looks strikingly like Glenn. Uh, I'll see if I can find the footage because it's strange. Have a good day, Jeff. I mean, thank you, Tyler, for sharing. We gotta, we gotta look that up. Necropolis from 1987. We gotta see how how much this guy looks like Danzig. It's paramount that we find out this information. For what purpose? There is no purpose. Just because that's what we do here on the show. So that's another one right there. Okay, moving right along. All right, this is from this is from Craig. Um, so Craig is worried about. He brings up a good concern here, and that's why I screenshotted it. And he says, "I hope he doesn't get mad that I'm sharing this. If he does, I'm really sorry." I, I mean, I thought it was really nice. I thought it was a very thoughtful thing. He, he's giving me feedback. He's saying, I really love this page. It's a great break from the uh, from the bullshit of my day. That being said, it's your page, and I understand, but I really think it would be in everyone's best interest not to post political stuff to the page. This is from March 26, 2021. I don't know what I posted that might have uh, caused him to respond to this. I just really want this to be the escape of my day to not hear everyone else's political agenda, either side truthfully, but in the end, it's your page. Do what you do what you with. Hope you have a good day, and thanks for all the great content. Craig, thank you for the thoughtful feedback, truly. I really do appreciate it, man. And you want to know something? Like, on one hand, I see what you're saying. I don't know what it is that I posted that made you feel inclined to send this to me. Um, and at the end of the day, you're right. It kind of shouldn't be political. Yeah, you know, we dunk on Michael Graves really hard because of his, you know, his white supremacist nonsense. Um, you know, it's funny. I was actually thinking about doing... Uh, someone showed me a recent Michael Graves video, and who will remain anonymous. Someone showed me this video, and it's Michael Graves having a meltdown. He's melting the freak down on YouTube about being, you know, like, canceled or whatever, or like, you know, all this stuff that's happening to him. And I just was like, I so want to do a response video, because I just, like, I, I just want to, like, because I remember when all that stuff went down, and, like, he's got nobody to blame but himself. 
I'm kind of doing exactly what Craig didn't want me to do, but I thought that's what he was in reference to, something with Michael Graves, because that's really the only stuff that we sort of cover here. But he's right, dude. He's right. This should be as non-political as possible. We should keep it. We should just keep it about, you know, the our, our love for all this stuff. But in the realm of dunking on Graves, I think I think that's the that's the time when when it becomes okay. I don't know, but never again. To have a whole episode like the very special episode with Michael Graves or Dr. Chud, those those episodes those were one and done deals, um, except when you know Artie called me out and then I called him out and he did not. I invited him to come on my show. I wanted him to come on my show and he wouldn't do it. Um, but I would I do I, I would be lying if I said it wouldn't be kind of fun to 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 to, to break down this meltdown video of Michael Graves melting down on YouTube and getting super upset about stuff that he literally caused himself. I don't know. Uh, so there's that. Um, so that's another one. Thank you, Craig, for sharing. And again, I apologize. If that was supposed to be... If that if that was supposed to be private, then I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Like, super private. Um, Tony Seacrest says, Full Moon bought a bunch of cult classics they are reselling. Interesting. Rue would like to see the cat turd chicken dance again. I No, it wouldn't even be that, Rue. You know what it would be? It would be like, you know, one of those reaction videos where, you know, a reaction to a meltdown. Like, watch it, pause, comment, watch it, pause, comment. Um, but I have to, like, you know, clip clip the video and deal with the my, my slow-ass system. I don't even know if it's worth worth the time, but it is something that I, I think I would like to, but you know, the video was from a while back, I don't even know if it's worth, I don't even know if it's worth it, I don't know if it's worth it to do, so there's that, okay, this is a long one, let's see, here we go, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. this is the next video, the next, sorry, the next screenshot here, let's see here, Boom. Okay, this was to the email. Um, if anybody wants to send me email with comments, questions, concerns, or feedback, you can send it, videobusinessmedia.gmail.com. That's the place to reach me. Or you can go through the website, or you could try one of the inboxes. And I, I can't promise any sort of response time. But send this stuff. Like We do get to it. We do go through it when... When we need to do a filler episode like this, you know, and if this is what a filler episode constitutes, I think it's a pretty good filler episode. So this is from a guy named Steve G. I, I kept his name anonymous. I don't know why, because I kept those other guys unanonymous on Facebook. Steve says, hi there, Jeff. I'm Steve. I'm a subscriber to your channel, and I've seen most of your Misfits Danzig-related videos. Good stuff, man. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. I hear you're from Chicago. I, I'm not from Chicago, but I used to live in Chicago, and I spent three years there. He says, I live in the Chicago suburbs. Who knows? We may have seen each other at shows. Venues like Fireside, Metro, Metro's great. And, yes, I used to live right by the Vic. Uh, Reggie's, I've spent quite a bit of time at Reggie's. Used to go to shows there. And definitely seen Jerry do his Misfits set at the House of Blues. I used to go to the Exit Bar. He says, I saw Sam Hain at the House of Blues in November of 1999 and The Damned a month before that. That's pretty cool. I, he still has his, his ticket stubs. Um, 
still has his ticket subs. I got into the Misfits in early 1993 because Metallica was my favorite band, and they then they always wore Misfits and Sam Hain shirts. So I got curious. Misfits then became my favorite band. I remember buying an Earth AD shirt at the time that also had Wolf's Blood on the back. The shirt was $10 and it was discontinued. Wish I still had it. It was made by Brockham. I've seen one on eBay for like $500, size large. Anyway, back in those pre-internet days, all you could find was Walk Among Us, the first punk tape I ever bought, Earth AD, Evil Live, Legacy, and Collection 1. That's it. I remember when Collection 2 came out and the box set. I was in high school. Now check this out. I had a radio class where you could practice being a DJ. They had a soundboard room with a turntable and everything. A classmate who was also into the Misfits let me borrow a small four-song record, an EP. I didn't know much about records at that time, but this bootleg record was called Return of the Fly. On that record was Last Caress. I was amazed. I So here's a guy, I love this stuff. So here's a guy who doesn't hear Last Caress until like, the, the, the early 90s, man, like before it's like commercially available. He goes, I was amazed. I had heard of that song, but not the Misfits version. He heard the Metallica version. I stayed after school so I could record the record onto a blank tape in my radio class. I was blown away by that song. And guess what else? She was on there. That's my favorite song. But this was different. This had keyboards on it. I didn't know at the time that this was the original version. I love hearing these stories. I love hearing the perspective. It's just so, it's so interesting. Uh, so he didn't know at this time that it was the original version. Again, I was blown away. I also remember in the 90s when Best Buy had all the Sam Hain CDs and punk compilation CDs. Weird, huh? Yeah, I remember those, you know, punk compilation CDs. You had like fat records you had punkorama you had all of them the asian man records all those all the all that stuff short music for short people there's one more thing i want to mention and this may come as a surprise do you by chance remember about five years ago a guy online who came, claimed to be glenn danzig's son his name was jeff danzig <laughs> jeff danzig uh, I distinctly remember reading his article online on more than... I didn't even know... I, I did not know there was an article on more than one occasion. Well, now, if you type in anything about Danzig's son, nothing comes up. The site was taken down and every trace of it vanished. And to be honest, the dude did kind of resemble Danzig back in the Sam Static Age era. His nose, his eyes, etc. you got to ask your viewers if anyone else remembers reading that. The guy claimed he would hang out backstage with his... Dad, allegedly, dad, and whatnot. If I can dig up anything else about that, I will let you know. But it looks like everything has been erased from the internet regarding that topic. Danzig no doubt caught wind of it. Also, there's another story. On the site Metal Sucks, there's a story about how a woman claimed she thought Danzig was her friend, but he placed a curse on her or something. She called him a warlock. It might be the blonde-haired girl from the mother video. That that sounds like the mother chick. Anyways, keep up the awesome work, Jeff. Your Danzig-related stuff is always interesting to watch. Thank you, Steve. That was a wonderful, thoughtful, long-ass letter, man. Um, yeah, I, I, Danzig doesn't have any children. I, I, and as for that guy, I think that guy is 
just I don't know I don't know anything about that and all I could say is Danzig doesn't have any children <laughs> That's, that guy's not real <laughs> he's not a real person um, <laughs> as for the mother chick she's very real and she's very crazy and she's awesome uh, as awesome as a crazy person could be and she you know I my path crossed with her several times um, especially when she was Bobby Steele's wife and uh, you know going over to Bobby Steele's house and she was there and it was really interesting and the fact that she's the 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 the, the chick from the Danzig video we've we've talked about her on this channel before she's she's really um, she is a trip she is a trip that that is to say but that was a fun read right guys that's why I love this stuff um, need to find a stash of Draven misfit shoes I don't even know what that is but it sounds really cool I guess Draven was a Martian from Skatopia wait what what hold on Draven was a Martian from Skatopia shoe company okay and then Francisco is asking, what Skatopia? I know Dwayne Peters had some shoes, too, made by them. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So Chris says, I met Jeff and tried to sell me some Danzig stuff. I, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. But Danzig does not have any children. Like, that, the, the, the dude doesn't have any children. Uh, Dagger Love, who is a local around Bergen County, says, There was a kid in the late 90s who walked around the clubs in North Jersey saying he was Danzig's son. I just laughed at him. Yeah, I don't think he's... He's not a real person. He, he's a made-up... He's a made-up entity. Formless, faithless, and free. Intricate entity. Formless, faithless, and free. November from... Wait, what? What is it? November coming from us? November coming from us. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right. This is a really weird one. I don't know why I'm sharing this with you guys, but I am. This was sent to me, to my email. This is a guy named Lon Fang. Seems like a nice guy. Um, I don't really know what to make of this, but, you know, I'm just going to share it. He took the trouble to write me, so why not? This is the type of stuff that I get, though. Like, no joke. I'm not complaining. It's totally fine. But, you know, I'm just saying I get this is what people write to me. <laughs> he says, hello, may I speak to a Mr. Jeff Fremunda? Mr. Fremis is not currently available. Would you like to leave a message? He's having like a he's having like this guy, Lon Fang. He's having a little dialogue with himself in this email. Uh, he goes, Mr. Fremis is currently not available. Would you like to leave a message? And then he writes again. I might as well. And then someone else says, okay, shoot, beep. So he's like, he's having a conversation with himself in an email, but as my imaginary voicemail. Uh, he goes, hello, sir. I'd love to begin by stating first time, long time. I'm currently spilling blood of joy at the prospect that you, yes, you might actually be the, the hungry end of my quest for a most unholy grail that exists solely in my mind. I have never researched this as I am lazy as a ballerina parked in a designated handicap space. 
but from the slightest of glancing over the years, I have never heard of any speculation and or proof regarding the matter of what I consider a considerable discovery. I am not certain of a date, but I am certain it was a Sunday evening because the revelation manifested itself to me during a weekly local AM radio broadcast of fire and brimstone televangelist Brother R.W. Schombach. And then he provides the the Wikipedia address for, for this gentleman. But I digress. Being on the autism spectrum, so he's on the spectrum, I have been blessed with the unfortunate ability to see and hear the most trivial of coincidences that surround us all. When you're seven, this becomes the most amazing parlor trick uh, a proud family can muster. Anytime and all the time. It has since become most annoying to friends and family alike, myself included. Again, digression. But there, but there it is, plain and simple. It speaks for itself. And then he doesn't like actually say what it is until I looked and saw what was attached. So he goes, so, coinkydink, and what he's referring to at the bottom here, you're going to see a picture of the Crimson Ghost and Bob Marley. Let's see if that will that's as close as we can get. So there's Bob Marley and there's the Crimson Ghost. And because they both have their hands up in the photo, I think what our friend here, Lon Fang, is trying to insinuate is that Bob Marley is... <laughs> that Bob, the Crimson Ghost is the skeleton of Bob Marley. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't freaking know, but that's what it seems like he's saying here. Um, in any case, there it is, plain and simple. I, I, I guess it does speak for itself. Is it a coinkydink? I think it's a coinkydink. Uh, or the starting uh, gate of the most wicked, death-plumbing rabbit hole of mirrors the Illuminati has conceived, second only to New Coke. Hmm... It's in the eyes, damn it. For me, it was the eyes. Whoa! You know, that's what I get for having Wi-Fi calling turned on. My brother calls me in the middle of a broadcast, even though I was in airplane mode. Have to call him back. So, yeah. And says, P.S. I must tell you that your endless off-the-cuff cuff ramblings, please don't take that the wrong way. I don't. Because that's, we know, I, I, I'm well aware that I have off-the-cuff ramblings. Uncluttered by any sort of annoying hab- habitual verbiage. So he's saying that I'm not cluttered, that I don't have uh, uh, any sort of this annoying v- habitual verbiage of uh, um, uh, uh. And I, he's, he's being nice, because that's not true. Because I definitely, I, I do a lot of um, uh, I do that, I do do that. And so forth. Uh, so sues this Aspie's soul. So I guess he has Asperger's. And I guess that the off-the-cuff ramblings sort of help him help his, help his, him in some way, shape, or form. And he says, mucho appreciation for all that you do. God bless and keep it up. Thank you. He said, this is from Cardinal Leonidas F. Fang. Lon Fang. Thank you, Lon. He says, look me up at my Gettysburg address. That was definitely an interesting one. But appreciated nonetheless. Thank you, Lon. I appreciate your your words. So kind. As to whether Bob Marley is the Crimson Ghost, that's one of the most batshit things I've ever heard in my life. And <laughs> whatever, sure. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's fun. Why not? Why not? It, 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 and, and, and we only live once in this life. So why why the hell not? Uh, we're down to our last one here. And before I get to it, let's just check out some of these comments we have here. Uh, Draven. So I guess Draven is a shoe manufacturer. 
Yeah, November promise fire. November 6th. November 6th. That's hilarious. Um, wait, sorry, I'm getting lost in these comments here. Draven made some sick misfit shoes. Chuck Taylor's and Vans slip-on style with Crimson Ghosts on them. That's who Draven is. I guess. I guess. Not really sure. Robbie says, ha ha ha, gives green hell a different meaning. I yeah, I guess it kind of does. I I, I see what you're I see what, what you're pick I'm picking up what you're putting down. The Crimson Marley. Um I guess people agree with Lon everybody agrees with them. Holy crap, Bob Marley is the Crimson Ghost. <laughs> I mean I guess I, I I don't really see it that much, but you know. Um Frank wants to know Frank is curious as to what Frumis means. Frumis is my last name. My last name is Frumis. And Frumis is Yiddish. Uh, Yiddish is a sort of dead language now, almost dead language. It's, it dies with a little bit more with every generation. My, my grandparents spoke a lot of Yiddish. My last name is Yiddish. Yiddish is the blending of Hebrew and German. Uh, and it is the language of the Ashkenazis. The Ashkenazis are, are European Jews. I am a European Jew, so my last name is basically very religious Jew. That's what it means, and it's kind of ironic because I am not a religious Jew. I am a cultural Jew. I'm very much a Jew, but I'm not that kind of Jew. So that is what my last name means. Thanks for asking. Um, so, yeah. Danzig <laughs> yeah Danzig that's right Tony's checking checking eBay for knockoff knockoff versions ah hey thanks for showing some interest Frank I appreciate it Frank says cool thanks yeah thank you um makes <laughs> makes sense why I don't like let the day begin I mean, yeah, like, you know, not my favorite song. Not my favorite song. Uh, I don't think, you know, I just think it's kind of, well, you know, for those of you who are waiting for it, my Samhain listening party, which is not coming on October 1st like I anticipated, but will be coming. My my Samhain November Coming Fire listening party with, with notes and feedback and yada, 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 uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Well, that's really for the Patreons, the Patreons, but for everybody else, you'll all get it on November 1st, for sure. Hands down, it will be coming. Yeah, I just think it's not a great song, for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I'm very sensitive to that shit. Um, thank you, Javis, I appreciate that, about uh, wanting to... You guys are being really cool about my last name, you know. I dealt with a lot... Not a lot, but I've dealt with a bunch of anti-Semitism. You know, that's why Michael Graves' comments really pissed me off so much. You know, comparing himself to, you know, being in the Holocaust and whatnot. Like, that shit pisses me off, if I'm being honest. So, now it all makes sense. And for those of you who have watched that video of me, uh, you know, confronting Michael Graves about that stuff... Take note that I never once mentioned that I was a Jew. Never once did I bring that into the conversation. I just said, what the fuck are you talking about? That's all I said. That was it. 
Um, let's move on. Enough, enough politicking, right? I don't know if that's politics or what that constitutes. But um, hold on one second. Here is here's our last comment, and this is from Richard S. Rich S. writes. Hello, I listen to your Misfits Danzig podcast quite a bit. I'm not super active in social media, live cast, etc. I do have two Danzig stories that are quite interesting. One is from my friend's dad, whose best friend is Danzig's brother. Uh, the other is me meeting Danzig one-on-one before a meet-and-greet at vinyl, Vintage Vinyl in Edison, New Jersey for the Death Red signing. I have some interesting details. Maybe we can talk about it and see if it's something you'd like to talk about. Thanks, Rick S. And I don't think I responded to Rick S., but I should respond and say, Hey, Rick S., tell us your stories. I want to hear them. Let us know. And that's it. That's all That's all she wrote. That's all we got today, folks, in terms of the, the fiend mail. Uh, we still got a little time on the clock here. Is there any anything else we need to discuss? Uh, so like I said, keep your eyes peeled for the November coming fire. It's not coming on October 1st for my Patreons, but it will be coming. I always, I always deliver when I make a promise, or I don't deliver if I can't promise it, vice versa. Um, for the rest of yous, it'll be here on November 1st for Samhain. Um, Frank asks, any New Jersey natives here? Uh, read about this New Jersey and Philly author that wrote a book about growing up in New Jersey out next month and references the classic and Graves era misfits. Cool. Haven't heard anything about it, but definitely would uh, scoop it out, check it out, whatnot. Um, yeah, Robbie Bloodshed is is uh, Bergen County, man. Lived, grew, born and raised right outside of Lodi, right next to Lodi. Um... I don't know. What else could we discuss? Did I miss any comments here? Still a little early. Still a little early. I think we got through all these comments. Anybody have a hot take? Anybody? That was great. That was great when you were on Cat Turds. Cat Turd, for those of you who don't know, there is a whole small group of people that refer to Michael Graves as Cat Turd. And that's why Rue refers to Michael Graves as Cat Turd. All he did was try to justify his ignorance. Yeah, he sucks. What can we say? South Jersey Philly guy. That's right. Um, is anybody going to those Danzig Elvis shows? I really do. I We all know how much Uncle Glenn hates recording, but I hope somebody records that stuff because I very much do want to see uh, how it sounds live you know Um, wish there was more wish there was more wish Franche Coma got more love don't we all Frank is great Frank's a great guy Robbie Robbie asks would you consider Jerry a co-writer on theme when he said he came up with the bass line for the track uh, when that is the main drive of the song? Again, and Robbie, you're you're a friggin' prolific songwriter. You, I mean, you would know. 
we, we talked about this earlier before he came to the show, but songwriting, like, you know, ownership of songwriting comes down to lyrics and melody. If that's that's the ownership of a song, it doesn't matter if you have, if you come up with the, the, the bass line that gives the identity to the track or not. Uh, did Jerry come up with that bass line? It's a super early Misfit song before I think Glenn is even playing bass. D- d- did he come up with that bass line? Most probably. Um, I've heard some... I've heard some... Uh, I've heard some interesting scuttlebutt about some of those early songs. I'm not going to get into it here, but I've heard some scuttlebutt. Some interesting... Interesting things. Uh... Nullified says, check out the new Earth AD statue before it sells out. It's limited to 1983, 200 each. Yeah, it's be- those are beautiful, man. And I got to tell you, if I had the coin, I totally friggin' would. Whoa! Trust no one. Wow, this is interesting. I've never seen this before. This is, this is just, we have... Just be, uh, we have a member, a new member, I guess, to YouTube. That's what I'm guessing this is. So we have a YouTube membership here on the channel, and Trust No One just joined. And I just want to salute Trust for his um, for his support to the cause. Um, he will definitely be amongst the early to see the Sam Hain November Coming Fire listening party because that's how this works. Um, before, whatchamacallit, before November 1st. So thank you, Trust, for joining. Frank was the first misfit I ever met, says, Dagger Love, I'm going, Jeff. Where are you going? Where are you going? I might have to trade my Patreon membership for YouTube. Yeah, Dagger, I totally, listen, I I appreciate your support, man, and whatever you want to do, however you got to do it, I... I, I'm I'm grateful for the support either way. Whatever whatever you wish to do, sir. Whatever floats your boat. Truly. Um, yes, Dagger definitely should come out to the Lodi show. Dagger, we are going to be in Lodi for the show uh, on November sixth. So keep your eyes peeled. Oh, you're going. Robbie is going to the Danzig Hollywood show. Yeah, baby. Oh boy, you're going to have a ball. You are going to have a ball. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hold on. Ah, these comments. I'm going to the shows. Would love to discuss what songs Glenn might do that are not on the Elvis covers album. I kind of hope he doesn't do any. I think he should just keep it to Elvis, man. It, it, that's in my opinion. I think he should just keep it to Elvis. Does he have to? I don't know. But that would be cool. Hold on. I'm going back up here. Graves is not an intellectual. That is for sure. It's true, man. He's not. He's not. He, he's a buffoon in that kind of way. Mac is going to the shows. What am I missing here? Um, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely... Of course they're going to play Trouble. Of course they're going to play Trouble. You know, I don't know who I was telling, but, you know... If you go back, listen to my review of the Dancing Sings Elvis album. That was the first time I heard several of those da- those. The first time I heard those Elvis songs was Danzig singing them because I'm just not an Elvis guy. I don't have any problem with Elvis, but you know, I just I don't know. Uh, Robbie, oh, interesting. 
What if he breaks out blue Christmas? Wouldn't that be great? Could you imagine? Plays, Jody says, if he plays Suspicious Minds, blue suede shoes would be cool filler. I agree. I agree. Blue. Oh, what a Christmas without you. Um, is Glenn aware of the documentary? I can neither, I cannot answer this question. Probably not. <laughs> I can't, let's, no comment. <clears throat> what else we got here? He needs to play Harpies in the Night. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Harpies in the Night. That'd be great. I'd be down with that. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, truly, trust no one. Thank you. I I appreciate it. I, I'll tell you, man, I want to go pro, and that kind of support is what helps me. So it's appreciated. Do, 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 do. Take a little da, 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 da. West End Avenue, West End Avenue, West End Avenue, do 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 that would be cool. I'd like to see that happen. Western Avenue, Western Avenue, Western Avenue. Ding, 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 ding. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What else could we talk about, you guys? Having fun. We haven't. We haven't done. You know, I feel like the last couple episodes have just been like an hour long. It hasn't really been like a hangout the way, you know, we normally do. Um, I do have to wake up in the morning to, my whole morning schedule's gotten really crazy now, I gotta take, I gotta get my, my son ready for school, and then I gotta take my daughter to school, it's, it's a whole, it's a mess, it's a whole thing, gotta make sure those little fuckers eat breakfast, that's hard, that's stressful, making a two, make sure a two-year-old finishes her breakfast, she'll be cranky the rest of the morning, she don't eat. It's nutty. Um, what else can I tell you guys about? I'm trying to think. We got the November coming fire thing coming up. We have the Ringo video dropping on Friday. Um, tomorrow, join myself and writer, director, producer Christopher Jimenez uh, as we discuss horror sequels, just sequels in general. Um, what else is What else is coming up? Oh. Speaking of the YouTube membership, I mean, we really should discuss this. So, in preparation for the month of October, I have, there is so much going on. You don't even understand how much is going on. But, uh, I really, really, really want to do some sort of live streaming commentary. What does that mean? It means that in some capacity, it might be an exclusive stream, it might not, depends, um, that will be watching and commentating on some sort of film or some sort of thing. I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure out how to how to circumvent YouTube to do this uh, for the channel. Um, 
I'm thinking we'll start with Night of the Living Dead. My all-time favorite horror film of all time. It's the best. Night of the Living Dead, baby. Um, Ringmaster says, Speaking of American Nightmare, Jeff is the version of that song on Legacy of Brutality dubbed over by Glenn. Misfit Central is vague on this. Honestly, dude, I don't know. I truly don't know. To, it, to me, there seems to only be one version of American Nightmare that was recorded sometime in 1980 or 1981. And... I believe the one that's on Legacy of Brutality was the one that was originally recorded and put on the track listing, the final track on the Plan 9 version of Walk Among Us. So I think I think that's what it is. I think it's just the same thing. Peace and hair grease, Jody. We'll, we'll, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking sequels tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lots of stuff to say. Um, Robbie really wants a Scorsese episode with Christopher. We definitely will get there. You know, I love being able to talk with Chris because we don't agree on stuff, which I really like. And we're very opinionated about and passionate about the uh, not necessarily the same thing. So it makes for interesting conversation. Instead of it always just sort of like being an re- exact reflection, uh, it's, it's like uh, there's a lot of dynamic contrast. And I really enjoy that in conversation. Um, So I'm very excited for this third episode with Chris. And um, just so glad that he wanted to host his show on my channel. It's just, it's great. It's his, it's his baby. He's the, he's the brainchild behind Sinful Celluloid. You know, it just, it made sense to call the show Sinful Celluloid. So that's what it is. He has a website called Sinful Celluloid. And make sure to follow us Follow him on his Sinful Celluloid Instagram, but there's also a Sinful Celluloid podcast on Instagram. So make sure to follow both of those. Uh, Crazy White Boy, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you enjoyed the show. Uh, As always, you're you're one of my shareholders, so so your your input is important to me. Um... Droid Little says, American Nightmare has always been one of my favorite Misfit songs. Me too. And if you want to hear, I uh, again, I feel like I'm a broken record because I say this stuff all the time. If you want to hear where American Nightmare comes from, just go listen to Baby Play How- Let's Play House on Danzig Sings Elvis. That's where the DNA of that is there. You know what I'm saying? An H.G. Lewis episode. That'd be interesting. Rue Morgue says... Let's do horror movies. Horror Hotel and, of course, Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I mean, without a doubt, Rue, we're starting with Night of the Living Dead. It, it, we know what it really comes down to. It comes down to public domain. It comes down to... I'm about to sneeze, I think. Hold on. It's coming. It's coming. Excuse me. Woo! It, you know, it all comes down to um, what YouTube is going to let me stream and what it's not going to let me stream, uh, or what it's going to let me put up what, versus what it's not going to let me put up. And that will all depend. I mean, ultimately, what I might just do is I might leave it for Vimeo. Vimeo will allow me to do something like that just for Patreons, perhaps. Um, Blood and Tears might fit the Elvis material. Here's the thing, BMAC. Here's a hot take for all you guys who have not listened to the Danzig Sings Elvis review that's on this channel, go check it out. Danzig's Danzig Sings Elvis is an autobiography of Danzig. It's, in my opinion, 
This is Danzig literally going, look, this is where inspiration for some of my songs. Sestina's American Nightmare. Freaking, um, you know, these songs. I'm trying to think of another song. Uh, what's something else that really fits? Is I don't know. But right off the top of my head, Sestina's is You Were Always On My Mind. And what Baby Let's Play House is absolutely... American Nightmare. You know, he's he's showing us this this very, you know, intimate autobiographical side to him. Uh so so that is, you know, maybe that's a hot take. That's what I think, man. You and me from less than zero. Great track. Great track. Yeah, B Max says even the song structures are similar. Exactly, man. That's where it comes from. That's where it all comes from. Let uh, Ben asks, "Let it be captured." What are you comparing "Let it be captured" to uh, of, of an Elvis song? I'm assuming you're speaking about Elvis here. Dagger says, "Oh wait, oh, God, these comments are hard to capture." Hold on, wait. Dagger Love says, "Actually, American Nightmare is a complete ripoff of the Dukes of Hazard theme song. I have to go listen to that, and that show was big when American Nightmare was recorded." Interesting, Dagger Love. Um, maybe you're right. I still think baby, let's play house, but I have to listen to Dukes of Hazard, so maybe maybe you're right. Who knows? Who knows? To walk the night, great friggin' track. Oh wait, 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 where is he? Where did he just go? Um, guys, the comments are flying too fast here. To Walk the Night. He was definitely thinking of Elvis, the way he sung it. I, I have some comments about that for that November Coming Fire show. Zach Guest, American Nightmare sounds like Elvis sings it. But he's also said that American Nightmare was him trying to do the cramps. You know what I mean? So, who knows? Who freaking knows? If the Misfits play in Florida... Marilyn Manson or Jimmy Buffett or Against Me or Molly Hatchett or Leonard Skinner should open. <laughs> Zach, that is a really random, weird comment to make. If the Misfits play in Florida, Marilyn Manson or Jimmy Buffett or Against Me or Molly Hatchett or Leonard Skinner should open. Interesting. Interesting observations there, pal. Uh, Glenn Jennings and Waylon Danzig. Oh, that's a weird, that's a weird combination. Um, actually, <laughs> Zach is high. I don't know. No, I mean, it just, I don't think he's high. I just think he's got some really random thoughts, and I, I want to know where they come from. I, want, I just want to understand them, is all. I just want to understand. Um... I think the best, I, I, you know, again, friggin' pocketful of rainbows. That, that's the jam right there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I was talking with uh, Davy Calabrese was on the show once, and we were talking about um, Danzig music videos that we would make, and I pitched him, I want Glenn to be in a ice cream suit, a, a white suit with a top hat, walking down like Main Street USA with like a cane. Um, eating an ice cream cone with with a row of little children behind him as he's singing Pocket Full of Rainbows, uh, the Danzig way. 
It'd just be great, man. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, Girl of My Best Friend is great. Really, really great. Do, 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 do. Pocketful of rainbows. It's great. It's great. Is what it is. Um, guys, I am trying to keep the stream going, and I just don't know what else to say. I, I think Naked Witch, is that about the movie? I don't know. Wasn't Jerry an ice cream man in a music video? Yes, he was. Oh, that's a question I have. Okay, great. Let's ask this question. First, I did a Snickers reference on Facebook when Jem and the Holograms Misfits get turned into the real Misfits. What is a Snickers reference, Zach? I don't understand. You have to explain to me. All right, I have a question. Here's a question for everybody that I truly don't know the answer to. Wasn't Jerry an ice cream man in a music video for the She-Demons Band? What happened to the She-Demons Band? What happened there? Like, they just disappeared. So so Jerry kind of had, like, his own version of the Runaways, but they were called the She-Demons. And they were put they put out a record on the Misfits records, and I have... They just disappeared off of the face of the planet. Totally disappeared. And yes, Jerry was in their music video. That was taken away. He was bankrolling the whole obser- uh, uh, operation. And then it just, poof, vanished. And I have no idea what happened to the She-Demons. I'm very curious. I have no idea, though. If anybody knows anything, I want to know. I want to hear what 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 happened, what the truth was. Ever seen the Snickers ad? Oh, I see what you're saying. Gem and the holograms turn back into turn into the misfits or turn back from the misfits after eating a Snickers. I get it. I get it, Zach. I do. I understand. Ha ha! Jerry for the kids. Ha! I do it for the kids. Ah! <laughs> what? How come we haven't gotten a new Jerry interview in quite some time? I really just want to read a Jerry interview on here and just you know periodically just interject and be like, ah, for the kids. Ha ha! That's got to be put on a T-shirt too for the kids. Doing it for the kids. That'd be really great. But legitimately, does anybody know what happened to the She-Demons? I want to know. I'm dying. This is a mystery. It is a mystery, baby. We need to find out the truth. The truth. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Freaking, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Especially subscribe if you have not already. Uh, Shout out, again... For our, we have a new member, a new YouTube casualty. It's it's totally greeted from from trust no one. Actually, it's trust uh, trust no double o one double o. So thank you for joining. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, much appreciated. Dagger love and Rue Morgue and all the other Patreons. John Voice of Doom, Crazy White Boy, Kevin Forty Five. Friggin' Honolulu Babylon. The list goes on and on and on. It's all greatly appreciated, all you guys. Um, Jerry knows nothing. Huh. Jerry knows not to say something stupid to piss off Glenn. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, she Demons became Hellfire Heart. Okay, but why? Who Who is Hellfire Heart? Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed this. 
I wish the singer of Zombiest sang on the first Son of Sam album. Me too! Me friggin' too! And I'll tell Steve Zing that to his face. Thanks again. Mr. Fromis, catch you and Chris tomorrow night. Yes, of course. Always. Always cough cool. Um, Freaking. You have to. Tr- you had it right. Trust no one. The double zero are for show. So just trust no one. Got it. Got it. Thank you, trust. All right, guys. As always, we say here on the show, peace and hair grease. We'll see you next time. Please make sure to like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out, we got t-shirts in the description. We got a show coming up, November 6th, November From Us Fire. Check out NCF, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying anything more. Bye. Make it a